Hello, spooky friends. I'm Eileen, and welcome to Was It the Rain? Hello, hello, hello. Happy October 4th. Oh my goodness. I am so excited to finally be bringing episode one to you. I'm sure you've read the title. So for this episode, we're going to be discussing all things mysterious and sinister surrounding Crater Lake. But before we jump into the episode, I just want to take a minute and introduce myself to you. As you know from the beginning, my name is Eileen. I was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, having grown up in Spokane, Washington, and then moving to Camas, Washington, going back to school in Pullman, Washington, go Cougs, and now working in Portland, Oregon. I've had family in Seattle that I visited growing up, and I frequently spent summers in Idaho, so I'd say I have a pretty decent lay of the land. But of all the places that I have lived, the Camas, Washington, Portland, Oregon area is by far the most beautiful. And for those of you who have been to the area and know of the Columbia River Gorge, you will know exactly what I am talking about. It is 100% the essence of the Pacific Northwest. And fun fact, certain scenes they filmed for the first Twilight movie are actually in the Columbia River Gorge, not Forks, at a hiking spot called Cape Horn Trail. So there's a little bit of fun movie trivia for you. Anyways, if you're looking for insanely beautiful evergreens and gorgeous hiking trails and waterfalls with a beautiful river running right down the middle, make the effort to get out to the Columbia River Gorge. I promise you will not be disappointed. And that is my sales pitch. (laughs) But besides where I grew up, I've also loved true crime and horror since I was younger. I went through a really big horror movie phase when I was about 16. And I won't lie, I am said to be a very paranoid, although I'd like to say cautious, person. I definitely had to take a break when I couldn't sleep in my own house without someone else being there. And I was an 18-year-old adult home from college, which is embarrassing to admit. And yes, I was definitely made fun of a little bit. But now I'm super into true crime and all things spooky. Halloween is absolutely the best season, and if I could watch the Scream movie series on repeat daily, I absolutely would. Some other spooky movies I enjoy include Disturbia, It, Us, and Annabelle Comes Home. I know, what a range. (laughs) True crime podcasts have a special place in my soul above documentaries or books, and listening to them has ultimately inspired me to start Was It the Rain? I have two puppies. Both are doxy mixes, and I love them with my whole heart. And I'm an architectural designer, and I absolutely love working in the creative field. So that's a little bit about me. I I guess a new hobby to add to the list is this podcast. I am beyond thrilled to be making this. I definitely did not imagine this idea would come to fruition, but I had a really great support system. And I think with the spooky connotation around the Pacific Northwest, it's going to be a very fun and sinister topic to discuss every week. I want to give a brief sneak peek into some of the topics we're going to be covering this season. They include some of the state mental hospitals, underground tunnels, haunted hotels and other sites, true crime murder cases, an abundance of cryptids, spooky landscapes, and so, so much more. So that's me. That's Was It the Rain. Now, without further ado, let's dive in to Crater Lake. I want to set a scene. You and your significant other and your two dogs are driving in your converted van that you've been living out of for the last three months. You're on the last stretch of your cross-country travels with Crater Lake as your final destination. You drive up past the famous Crater Lake National Park sign where you see all the beautiful trees and other happy campers about. Just beyond the rim, the crystal blue waters of the purest lake found in the country. You park your van in your designated spot and begin to set up camp for the night. The sun is starting to go down 
your campfire is roaring, and you're getting ready to roast marshmallows, when you suddenly stop. What's that? Something moving in the wilderness? Something flying over your head? What's that shadow in the lake? Has this truly become your final destination? We are about to find out. The hauntingly beautiful Crater Lake, easily one of the most beautiful and mysterious bodies of water in the United States. On the surface, a national park, hiking spots, campgrounds, a summertime lakeside. Below, missing people, murders, monsters, plane wrecks, and Bigfoot? With a long list of the strange and unusual, Crater Lake seems to house everything spooky you would dare to find. Located in the southern part of the Cascade Range sits Mount Mazama. Mount Mazama holds Crater Lake at 1,943 feet, the deepest freshwater body in the United States. But how did Crater Lake come to exist? A significant part of the mountain is a caldera. A caldera is a cauldron-like hollow that takes form after the emptying of a magma chamber during a volcanic eruption. Essentially, the volcano collapses onto itself and then, in this instance, fills with water and creates what we now call Crater Lake. Nearly 7,700 years ago, Mount Mazama erupted and was recorded to be more than 40 times as powerful as the 1980 Mount St. Helens eruption, which is crazy because my parents were through it, they were here in the area when it fell, and I heard stories of them taking cookie sheets out and laying them on their cars to collect the ash, and it was just mounds and mounds, and I just could never imagine. From the Mount Mazama eruptions, two small islands in Crater Lake took form. The first we'll get to know is Wizard Island. After the major eruption of Mount Mazama, several smaller eruptions occurred and caused many cinder cones to form on the floor of the caldera. Wizard Island is the only one to break through the surface of the water of Crater Lake and is the new volcanic peak post-Mount Mazama. It's over 300 acres and in the summer months, rangers will boat hikers and those alike to the island to explore. Wizard Island gets its name from the cone shape of the island resembling a wizard's hat, and when the fog looms in around the island, it mimics an old warlock's beard. While seemingly peaceful and serene, there's an eerie twist Wizard Island holds that we will circle back on later. The second island is Phantom Ship Island. The name comes from the island being made up of mostly 170-foot tall towering spires, resembling that of a ghostly ship with tall masts and falling sails. Predating Mount Mazama and after its eruption, this ancient volcanic cone stands tall nearly 400,000 years later. I want us to start our road trip through Crater Lake with the legend of the Klamath Indians and that which they share with the land. The Klamath Indians, along with the Ahuskin and other tribes, have called the Klamath Basin home well before Mount Mazama's eruption. Found under the ash, artifacts such as obsidian tools and spear throwers have been recovered to the north and east of Crater Lake. The Klamath Indians have described the eruption of Mount Mazama and the creation of Crater Lake as one of their legends. The legend, as told by tribal member Barbara Alator, goes as, quote, Before time began, giant spirit beings came down to earth through a hole in the sky, pushing ice down to build giant mountains, unquote. Of the mountains, the first built was Mount Mazama. The spirit beings created the remaining landscape by digging underground caverns and pushing the mountains and hills to create what we now know as the Cascade Range. They created channels for rivers and all around them sprung up trees and grass and plants. Once completed, the spirits made their way back to the afterworld, where only those who have passed can go. The spirit chief, Skell, the sky creator, stayed behind to create human beings. Skell made Mount Shasta in Northern California his home, and from there, with his spirit bag, he selected two bones to lay, one over the other in the Klamath Lake. This is how the Klamath people were born. Skell watched over his people as they began to create lives for themselves, while protecting them. However, he was not the only one watching. Lao, the chief of the underworld, made a habit of occasionally coming up from under Mount Mazama, where he resided, to watch the humans live in their beautiful new world. On one of these days, he laid eyes on Loa, the Klamath chief's daughter. He was in awe of her beauty and wanted her as his wife. 
he sent up an entourage with lavish gifts to propose on his behalf. Not wanting to live in a mountain with Lau, or marry anyways, she declined the offer. The Klamath chief called upon the advice of the elders and the medicine men, and it was decided that Loa was to be hidden in a forest so that Lau could not find her. When Lau learned of her disappearance and no one would share her whereabouts, he became enraged and threw lightning bolts and caused the ground to shake like thunder, sending Mount Mazama into eruption. With giant fireballs flying through the air and exploding with deafening booms, Lau shot fire from his mouth as he took in the destruction he was causing. The beauty of the landscape was quickly engulfed in fire, and the people of the Klamath tribe were fleeing to the Klamath Lake for safety, crying out for Skell in desperate help. Standing on Mount Shasta, Skell heard two of the medicine men volunteer to sacrifice themselves and hope to stop Lau's terror. The medicine men took their lit torches towards the high ridges surrounding the crater, ready to complete the sacrifice. Skell watched, and seeing the bravery of the medicine men, he flew over them to battle Lau. The two spirit chiefs fought, surrounded by shaking mountains and trembling earth, until Skell forced Lau back underground and collapsed volcanic debris over the entrance to the underworld, creating a crater where the mountain once sat. The sky opened up and heaps of rain fell, creating a beautiful, tranquil lake that was named Giwas, meaning most sacred place. This lake was Skell's way of bearing the darkness. However, it does still serve as a reminder of the evil that tried to take the land. And, even now, the piercing blue water is used as a cautionary tale. It is said that Lau, in his defeat, was dismembered, his limbs having been consumed by monsters but his head remaining in the lake. Therefore, the lake holds his evil spirit and is sent to haunt Wizard Island, where the wicked souls are banished. The Klamath people warn that the water is too sacred to look into for too long, and that if you do, Lau is said to snatch people off the rim of the crater, or an immense sadness will take over the onlooker and lure them to their death. There is so much beauty and sorrow found within a lot of these Native American legends. I think one of the most amazing parts of the Pacific Northwest is all of the Native American history the region holds. We're definitely going to go over other beautiful natural landscapes that have just as powerful legends surrounding them. And I think tales like this really allow us to see a much deeper and fascinating side to the national parks, mountains, and bodies of water we see today. We're now going to jump into the spooky occurrences that have happened in Crater Lake and the surrounding national park. Be warned, it's heavy. There's a lot that goes on and a lot of it is unsolved or unexplained and definitely might change your perspective on visiting this lake. Over many years, several park rangers have reported seeing human-looking figures and fire burning on Wizard Island in the night when the park is nearly empty. All of the stories are the same and when the rangers would make their way out to the island to investigate, there was no trace of fire or people anywhere to be found. Ranger Jan Kerwan recalls a night where she was patrolling the roads below the rim when she saw 10 people around a large campfire, too far from the designated campgrounds. She parked her car and headed into the woods, prepared to confront the illegal campers. When she reached the spot, however, there were no people and no trace of fire at all. Frustrated, she called for backup, but even then, there was absolutely no evidence of any sort of campfire taking place. Tales of ghost stories might not be enough to keep those away from Crater Lake. However, these unexplained and unsolved disappearances might. With a place as beautiful as Crater Lake, of course photographers flock from near and far to capture the most captivating shots. Yet, as we take a turn in the disappearances at Crater Lake, one of the most well-known is that of photographer Charles McCuller of Virginia. Charles McCuller decided to set out on a journey hitchhiking and busing across the country in 1974, where he planned to make a photographic journal of each spot he stopped at. In January of 1975, Charles was staying with a friend in Oregon for a few weeks and noted the perfect opportunity to partake in winter photography. Where in Oregon might have the most breathtaking views? Crater Lake, of course. Charles informed his friend that he would be spending a few days in the national park, as most photographers do to capture the perfect shot. His friend thought nothing of it, but when well over a week passed and Charles never returned, 
The search was on in the thick wilderness where he was said to have set up camp. However, the search grew rapidly, and soon the FBI was involved. Unfortunately, due to the intense winter weather, the search was stop and go as there were, at times, up to 12 feet of snow throughout the park. Of those in the crew who searched was Charles' father, who ended up staying through summertime and camping on the lake shores in hopes to find his son. Up until October of 1976, there was no headway in the search for Charles, and it seemed that the force had completely buried him away. However, that's when two hikers would come across a torn-up backpack down a remote canyon located about 12 miles from where Charles had been camping. The pair brought the backpack to the ranger's office and found that in the side pocket of the backpack was a set of keys that belonged to the Volkswagen Charles owned. Two of the National Park Rangers, Larry Smith and Marion Jack, were able to confirm the keys found matched a photocopy of Charles' car keys perfectly. After the discovery, patrol was sent out on horseback to the area where hikers had found the backpack and soon after, near Bybee Creek, human remains were found. However, what was thought to have been an exciting discovery turned the case to be more puzzling and mysterious than before. Found at the site were a pair of jeans in extremely good condition considering how long they had been left out in the elements. Inside the jean legs were socks that poked out, and inside the socks were broken off toe bones and, in the jeans themselves, broken fragments of shin bone. Simply as strange as it was, there was absolutely nothing else found. No shirt, coat, boots, no other body parts or bones, except for the crown of a skull about 12 feet away from where the other bones were found. None of Charles' personal items, including his camera, would ever be seen again. All that is known is that something truly horrifying happened out there in the wilderness surrounding Crater Lake and that the case is more confusing and terrifying than ever. While Charles's case is one of the most known and talked about around Crater Lake, it doesn't take away from the other disappearances that have occurred. In 1971, Nick Carlino from Grants Pass, Oregon, decided to go snowshoeing with his German shepherd just west of Rim Village. Hours later, the dog returned to town without Nick. A search was quickly underway, and Nick's snowshoe prints led searchers to the rim of the crater, and then abruptly stopped. No trace of Nick was ever found. In an eerily similar 2009 case, an unnamed man also went for a snowshoeing excursion and did not return. Again, a search was conducted and his prints also disappeared at the edge of the rim. It was believed that he must have fallen the thousand feet down to the ledge. However, when searchers had made their way down, nothing was found. Boats dredged the bottom of the lake and divers looked as well, but again, no sign of the man anywhere and he's still not been found. In October of 1991, 33-year-old Glenn Allen Mackey from Bria, California, had gone missing in the Crater Lake area. When his search ensued, his car with his driver's license, keys, passport, and cash were found in the park's parking lot. A three-week search turned up no sign of Glenn. In 2014, another disappearance occurred when a man spoke with a ranger and was later seen going down the crater's wall. The ranger, concerned, went to stop the man out of fear of how unsafe his actions were. However, when he turned the bend, the man was gone. After another search, only the man's sunglasses were recovered, and, to make matters even stranger, it was found that the man used a false name when speaking with the ranger. Nothing else was ever found. Lastly, in October 2006, 8-year-old Sammy and his father Kenneth were staying at Diamond Lake for a little vacation and wanted to head over to Crater Lake. As told by Kenneth later on, they had stopped in a parking lot near the Cleetwood Cove trailhead. Sammy wanted to play a game of tag hide-and-go-seek with his dad, which was a common occurrence for the pair. As Sammy took off near a large boulder formation and down the adjacent hill, Kenneth lost sight of him. As he hurried to the top of the hill, Kenneth quickly realized that Sammy was nowhere to be found. Contacting park officials, Kenneth's fears were taken seriously and a massive search effort was underway. Nearly 200 searchers, helicopters, canine units, and the FBI searched for months looking for Sammy, but he was never found.
Outside of the horrifying disappearances where individuals seemingly evaporate from thin air are the harder-to-grasp suicides that have taken place at Crater Lake. On July 4th of 1947, Mr. Cornelius and his wife were vacationing at Crater Lake and decided to go for a day hike. They were having a nice time out and were both said to have been very happy. However, things quickly turned dark. Without saying a word, Mr. Cornelius came to an abrupt stop very calmly removed his watch and handed that and his billfold to his wife and, without saying a word, without emotion, stepped off the ledge to the terrain far below. He did survive the fall, though, breaking his leg on the way down. Mr. Cornelius then staggered to his feet and again, without a word, hobbled his way over to the lake's edge and proceeded to shuffle in deeper and deeper until he was completely submerged and did not resurface. His wife would later tell how he was a happy man and they had a good life and it seemed like he was in a trance-like state a daze when he went over the cliff. There have been other reported suicides, be it going into the woods and never coming out or jumping off the crater's rim. There's little to no information out there regarding the individuals involved. All we know is the reports claim that the individuals who took their lives at Crater Lake were found to be happy and content people who did not fit the profile for someone in danger of committing suicide. It could be argued that these suicides feel more like paranormal lures from the lake and the accidental deaths hold a very similar feeling. The legend that claims the lake draws people in doesn't seem so far-fetched when you look at not only the suicide and disappearances, but also the accidental deaths. There are records of over a dozen accidental deaths caused by people seemingly falling down the crater's rim. Many of these deaths have been said to be impossible by those who know the national park best, the rangers. They've explained that the areas where individuals have fallen are beyond hard to wrap their heads around, as they can't imagine how those individuals even got to those locations to begin with. The reality of it is, is that the part of the rim that these accidents are occurring paint the picture that those going over would have had to have been pushed to make the fall feel feasible. In one case, where names and ages have been kept private, a man fell from a rock formation that overlooked the lake. The catch? There was a tall, hard-to-climb rail between him and the edge of the rock whose sole purpose was to keep people from falling over. Another far more bizarre case describes a couple who parked their car near the edge of the rim when, without warning, the parking brake failed and the car and its passengers rolled off the edge. The couple's dog was able to jump to freedom through the car's sunroof, though the couple's fate was sealed as the car smashed in the bottom of the crater. Lastly, in 1956, a photographer had made a trip out to Crater Lake. He was attempting to photograph a supposed phantom ship in the lake when he fell to his death. Another wildly mysterious side to Crater Lake is not that of the lake or the wilderness itself, but of the sky above it. There are many cases reported of aircrafts mysteriously going down and vanishing in the area, and these disappearances have been recorded since at least the 1940s. In one of the first cases, in the spring of 1944, two Grumman torpedo planes were flying together in formation on a clear day. One of the pilots had turned to look at the other plane, and it was completely gone. There was no explanation, but it was later determined that it must have crashed into the lake and sunk to the bottom, despite there being no cause. Also recorded in the fall of 1944, a flight trainer and his gunner flew off to the north of the lake and completely vanished. There was no sign of the men, the plane, or even a hint of any wreckage around. This would end up becoming a common occurrence. And in one of the more eerie cases, in 1945, flying from Washington to Redding, California, seven Grumman F-6F Hellcat fighter planes were flying over Crater Lake when they entered a bank of clouds. When the clouds had cleared, it was found that one of the planes had vanished. However, this one would not go unfound. In 1971, one of the National Park Rangers by the name of Dave Painbaker spotted a blue Grumman F-6 Hellcat fighter plane scattered about a steep embankment, leaving obvious signs of a wreck. 
Dave decided to go investigate. However, he seemingly got lost on the way to the crash and found himself sitting on a log when he suddenly felt a profound sense of being watched. Turning to look, he saw a human skull staring out from the shadows under a mossy log. Dave took the skull back to the ranger's office and an investigation showed dental records proved the skull was that of 22-year-old Ensign Frank Lupo, the very pilot who had disappeared in the cloud cover in 1945. In the 1940s, the construction of an army base in the Klamath Falls would estimate about two to three planes a week crashing into and around the lake, making this occurrence not only a common thing but also a terrifying one. In later years, more cases would continue to be reported on. In 1978, in August, Dave Nunn, his daughter, and his grandchild boarded his Cessna 82 to fly back home to Salem, Oregon. It would not be the three of them alone on board, however, as they were joined by two teenage student pilots named Jim Pryor and Matt Perkins. The flight to Salem was smooth sailing, and Dave and the two students embarked on their way back to Klamath Falls shortly after. Dave's wife, Jean, would report to have a rather odd experience when at 9.30 that night, she was awoken by a feeling of a hand on her leg even though nobody was there. Frighteningly, she would learn that her husband's plane had vanished out of radar and seemingly went down at 9.30 that same night. A massive search for the missing Cessna involving 100 volunteers and the Navar would turn up absolutely no sign of the three people on board or the wreckage. Strangely, though, on July 5th, 1982, seven years later, a hiker in the National Park would come across a wrecked Cessna with three skeletal bodies inside. The bodies were identified as the three missing men, and a terrifyingly cryptic handwritten note was found that read, Lose not thine airspeed, lest the ground rise up and smite thee. Lastly, and more recently, in September of 1994, another aircraft vanished from the sky above the lake. An aerospatial AS-350 helicopter that was piloted by George W. Cossey, 52 years old, was leaving Seattle and heading towards Las Vegas when it went down over Crater Lake. The helicopter skimmed the lake surface with several horrified rangers witnessing the wreck. The helicopter then fell the 1,500 feet into the clear, freezing water near Wizard Island. As shocking as this wreck was, and as eerie as the circumstances were, the weather was very clear, Cossie was a very experienced pilot, and the helicopter had already gone through an inspection with no problems turning up. It was speculated later that Cossie could have been confused by the clear blue reflective water and got turned about, mistaking it for the sky rather than the surface of a lake. But even that feels as implausible as his helicopter going down in the first place. Aside from helicopter crashes and mysterious disappearances are the many cases of UFO sightings in the skies over Crater Lake. Now, I'm a bit of a skeptic when it comes to UFOs, not in the sense that they don't exist because you can't tell me in a universe this big, they don't, but just in the sense that people really believe that there could be a mountain UFO base around Crater Lake, but we'll get to that in a minute. In February of 1997, a private pilot had made claims that he saw military jets pursuing a UFO over the lake. Later that night, there was a massive explosion sound that was so loud it could be heard across the western Oregon plains, and it was widely reported in the local news. There have been multiple other UFO sightings with claims of UFOs doing impossible maneuvers, flying in odd formations, soaring over tree lines, and even going into and coming out of the lake. Some of the crafts have been said to disappear into Mount Mazama itself, which has led to the very wild theories of mountain UFO bases or secret advanced underground civilization. But with all that being said, helicopter crashes and UFOs aren't the only odd and nearly unexplainable happenings at Crater Lake. The tales of ghosts are shared by plenty, but there are also tales of strange beings, so-called creatures of the lake. They're said to be a dragon-like beast that lives within the lake. The beast is said to be that of the spirits that haunt the lake. There's been a handful of people who have reported seeing large dark shapes swimming under the surface of the water and strange ripples and large splashes along the surface. 
A woman by the name of Maddie Hatcher claims to have a close call with one of these water beasts when she says a large black shape swam under her boat when she was out on the lake with her family. She said that she had never been so scared and that she knew she saw a monster. She said it had looked like a dragon to her, and she understands why the Indians call it Lost Lake and believes in the monsters too. It's very important to note that because of the formation of Crater Lake we discussed earlier, there is no inflow or outflow of water, and therefore no indigenous fish or other kind of living creature that could have accidentally made its way into the lake. The details of water monsters also have land-walking monsters who accompany them. It is said that monsters from either the spirit world or the flesh roam in the wilderness surrounding the lake, with shadowy shapes and apparitions occasionally being reported on. One of the most commonly reported national park dwellers is none other than that of Bigfoot. Obviously, Bigfoot is very well known here in the Pacific Northwest, and if you ask anybody who lives here, yes, he is real, and yes, he does live in the wilderness, although the sightings put him all over the map, so it's hard to say exactly where. However, you can count on those at Crater Lake to let you know that that is where Bigfoot inhabits. The most popular case is that of some park rangers who claim that they followed what they described as a huge, dark, shaggy, and terribly smelling bipedal creature into the forest, but were then forced to turn back when the powerful beast began violently throwing pine cones at them. Yes, pine cones. And they do say that Bigfoot is a gentle giant, and if throwing little pine cones of all things is not proof, I don't know what is. Frighteningly, though, there have also been accounts of sighted dead Bigfoot at Crater Lake. One of the reports, Bigfoot was allegedly killed by a hit-and-run car and was claimed that secret government agents came in and took the body out as quickly as it had found its way there. In another instance, it was reported that a train smashed into Bigfoot, and the conductors were too afraid to report the incident for fear of being ridiculed and accused of drinking on the job. It's not exactly clear what happened to that body of Bigfoot, though. And as most Bigfoot cases go, there's no hard proof, but there are witnesses, so I guess it's up to everyone else to be the judge of whether they believe it or not. Now, I must say, I personally have not been to Crater Lake yet, and I know what a sin to live in the Pacific Northwest and have not yet made it to one of the most popular national parks in the area. Truly, for the longest time, it has been at the top of my list with those beautiful crystal blue waters and gorgeous hiking trails, but I can honestly say that after all of the research and knowledge I've picked up through this process, I don't know if it's on my list anymore, and I know, I know, crazy thing to say, but hear me out. I'm pretty superstitious, so with all the legends, curses, and warnings, there are certain circumstances that I will not throw caution to the wind. I'm curious, though, if you've been, have you experienced anything mysterious or supernatural? All in all, I really hope that you enjoyed this first episode and a glimpse into what we're going to be covering this season. I do want to mention that there's a pretty extensive murder case that takes place here at Crater Lake, and I am more than happy to cover it, but it 100% deserves its own episode. There are also so many cryptids, hauntings, murders, and legends that we're going to explore and fully see the Pacific Northwest for the spooky side it holds. I will let you be the judge, though. Was it written in the stars in the Native American legends that Crater Lake was going to be a setting for the sinister? Or was it the rain?